Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of Think Relevance, the podcast. Uh, today's guest is Chaz Emmerich, and I think it was a really fun uh, episode. Uh, but uh, before we get started with that, I just want to mention a couple things. Uh, first of all, we can still have, uh, as the time of this episode going up, we still got Stuart Sierra down in Australia. He will be in uh, Brisbane and uh, on the 14th and 15th teaching our intro to closure course, and also shortly after that at Lambda Jam. Um, and then again, those two things in Melbourne, uh, the 20th and 21st, that's May 2013. So catch him there. You can also, if you happen to be in Portland, Oregon, um, on the 15th of May, catch Michael Parenteau, who will be speaking on the myth of the half-brained designer and their magic vacuum at Refresh PDX. Uh, Michael's a really interesting guy. We've had him on the show before. Catch that if you get a chance. A couple other th- interesting things going on. Closure Conj. Uh, the call for propo- proposals is now open. It'll be it'll close on June 7th. You can go to closure-conj.org for more details. Uh, registration will be open soon, so you can get your tickets, and there are going to be plenty of sponsorship opportunities, so uh, check that out. Um, another exciting thing that has happened very recently, Excision, a new feature for Datomic, um, allowing you to permanently forget parts of the past, but remember that you forgot it. I know it's a feature that some people have been waiting um, for now out, so that's been that's been a pretty uh, pretty big deal. You can find more about that at datomic.com. Um, I think that's about it. So uh, let's go on to the episode, which, uh, like I said, I think was a fun one. Uh, Chaz is a good guy, and I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Today is Friday, April 19th in the year 2013, and this is Think Relevance, the podcast. Uh, I'm super excited today to have as our guest, uh, Chaz Emmerich. Welcome to the show, Chaz. Hey, Craig. How are you? I, I'm doing well. So this this is a, I think this is a really cool idea that you had, Chaz, which is um, we're actually recording two shows back to back. This is the first one, which, of course, is the Think Relevance podcast. Um, and so we're going to talk for a while. I'm going to interview Chaz, and then uh, we're going to flip flop. And in an absolute orgy of ego uh, of, of ego stroking, uh, I will I will be your guest on um, Mostly Lazy, which I think I just think that's a neat idea that you had. I I actually think it was your idea, but uh, yeah. you know, however it worked out, it'll 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 be cool. One of us is really smart. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, I know you've listened to this show. Um, anyone that has listened to the show is not going to be surprised. I need to ask you for a song that we came in with. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hear uh, Whispering Wind from Moby. Okay, cool. Um, so I've I, I started to ask people if the if the song that they picked has any particular meaning for them. And we were talking before the show, and you said that uh, you had given this some thought. Uh, an embarrassingly uh, large amount of thought just because of... Uh, because it's the one question that I know you're going to ask. So. <laughs> you, people people always end up uh, uh, obsessing over the things that they know they can control and ignoring everything that they can't because they don't know what they don't know. Uh, right. So this part I knew, and so I thought about it probably way more than I should have. Yeah, I was telling you before the show. Um, you know, I have, I actually have an episode in mind on which I, I will be the guest on this show, and. Uh, I've I've put hours and hours into considering uh, different songs, so I I've got some in mind now. We'll see if they change by the time I actually make that happen. But so um, yeah, well let's dive in. I mean I, I you know I, one of the things that we talked so we, we kind of kicked this idea around at Closure West, um, and one of the questions you said is you, do you think we'll have an, enough to fill two shows? And I said I think I would have enough to fill two shows just talking to you. Like we I could have you on for you know three hours and we wouldn't run out of stuff to talk about. So. Well, that's 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 partly due to uh, me talking too much about too many things all the time, anyway. So, 
uh, a trait we share. <laughs> um, I guess that's why we have podcasts, so we can yeah, right. listen to ourselves more. Um, but I want to hear from you, um, and, I, and I have any number of things to, to talk to you about. I guess the first thing I want to say is, um, dude, I really like your book, Programming Closure. I really – wait, it's, that's the one, right? It's Programming Closure, not Stu's book, Closure Programming. I have that No, right. no, no, you got him backwards. I got him backwards. Darn it. I even looked it up. Yeah. No, but your book, I mean, I'm not confused about which book is which. And, and although I'm a big fan of Stu's uh, and Aaron's book as well, um, I, I really like the book that you wrote um, with your co-authors. I think it's an excellent um, introduction to closure for the working programmer. I mean, I think there are there's a number of closure books out right now, and they all have something to offer somebody. But it seems to me that you guys really took the perspective of, okay, you know, we kind of understand where people are, where a lot of people are coming to closure from. Let's really target that demographic. Is was is there anything to that? Oh, uh, very much so. So the um, if I sort of go back to when we were putting the book together, uh, this was circa twenty, very late twenty ten, I think, maybe maybe uh, twenty eleven, um, and there were only two books out uh for closure programming closure and uh joy of closure i think closure in action might have been brewing or had just come out but uh i, I don't recall and so um you know programming closure was written very very early on uh and uh, uh you know it, it it didn't really reflect a lot of the things that we had sort of come to understand that, that we had collectively come to understand is how best to uh write programs in Clojure. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, Clojure 1.3 uh, had come out and uh, we were we were seeing what was coming down the pike in the later versions now as well. Uh, and, you know, we really just wanted to capture uh, a, a good swath of what you really needed to know, uh, sort of starting from ground zero and going towards actually having something you know, running in production, whatever that happened to mean for you, uh, and sort of from a from a um, personally, it was me just sort of documenting uh, what that what that uh, path had looked like for myself because I came from closure sort of fundamentally from Java with a with a like a one year layover in Scala in its early days, uh, and so. I really just wanted to capture everything that I wish I had known throughout that uh, progression uh, so that, you know, people, people coming through from that direction would also uh, would, would have the benefit of that, uh, of uh, the, the learnings from that path, as opposed to having to do them all over again. And so part of the, part of the reason for the uh, set of co-authors was so that we could have a um, some, some, you know, diverse perspectives because we did want to focus on uh, not just people coming from Java, which is something that uh, I and also Christoph have a fair bit of uh, experience with. But uh, Brian Carper, uh, one of the other co-authors on the book, had a lot of experience in Ruby, and he had a lot of uh, uh, insight into what made uh, what would make closure make sense to a Ruby programmer. Uh, and so he provided that sort of perspective. And then we have stuff in there for, for people coming from Python. And uh, so it's a, it's a very, it's a very um, broad view on what people coming from sort of mainstream programming languages, uh, uh, you know, broadly conceived, uh, what they face coming into Clojure and what would help them getting up to speed. Yeah. And I think you totally succeeded. I really, I really dug up. Uh... Um, really dug the book. I, I recommend it to people all the time as a, as as a, an excellent starting place. In fact, someone was just asking me the other day. They said, "What are the best resources?" And I said, "You know, um, the free resources on the internet for closure, with with the exception of a, a few. I mean, I think of like foreclosure. It's it's not like there's an overwhelming um, uh, quantity of." Uh, free comprehensive resources, but there are some really good investments um, in the in the for pay space, and I and I named your book as one of them. So uh, I think it's a great place for people to start. And then obviously, Joy of Closure is an excellent um, uh, follow on once you've started to understand the language a bit. Yeah, and 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 there's a there's a fair bit of tension I think, and from a from a author's perspective of how to approach that problem of introducing someone to a language that has. Uh, 
really such a different perspective uh, as Clojure does compared to uh, uh, Java and Python and Ruby in a lot of uh, ways because it it throws so much stuff at you at once from uh, you know obvious superficial changes in syntax to uh, everything around uh, functional programming as well as immutable data structures the uh, you know temporal space uh, uh, state model uh, you know interoperability with uh, the host platform and we only talked talked about the JBM and you know all the same issues uh, or their their uh, analogs apply to closure script and the JavaScript host space too so there's 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 a lot to take in uh, because uh, because of all the different influences and and all the different uh, disparate threads that uh, uh, rich and all the other contributors to closure and its and its ecosystem have pulled in from so many different languages that uh, it's it's easy to or it's not easy to but it's very tempting to try and drill deeply into all those different influences which is i think a phenomenal mission that uh, joy of closure accomplishes well but one that we didn't want to replicate that wouldn't that doesn't really suit someone who's just trying to get a you know a website up and running and they happen to have done rails or django or servlets in the past that sort of thing sure yeah so um I know the, the book's been out for quite a while now. Um, do you guys have any um, plans to you know, do like a second edition or something like that? Uh, no, no concrete plans. I don't really, this was my, this was my first book and I, I certainly don't uh, uh, pretend to uh, have any actual understanding of the uh, quote unquote professional publishing industry. So I'm not quite sure how the whole conversation about a second edition starts. Presumably the people at O'Reilly email us at some point and say, do you want to do a second edition? I don't know if they make that decision based on sales or uh, technical criteria or, or, or other things, but uh, that hasn't, those, those discussions haven't gone on and it's, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when, when, that, that that process starts, I guess. All right. Well, if anybody out there listening wants to see that happen, they should definitely um, contact O'Reilly and let them know. Because I imagine that hearing from uh, readers who want more um, or updates or whatever would would certainly help that happen. Uh, perhaps, yeah. I mean, from a from a technical standpoint, there's actually, uh, or sort more from an editorial standpoint, I guess there's there's actually not a lot that I would change in the book as it currently stands, uh, just because it uh, requires closure one three. Uh, and so there, there, there were a number of sort of uh, foundational changes and improvements uh, around like protocols and records and numerics and stuff like that that landed in 1.3 that remain true to this day. And since then, uh, a lot of the changes in new closure releases have been in, um, I might say, more esoteric corners like tagged literals and things like that, mm -hmm. uh, that I'm not even sure that if I were writing the book from scratch today, I would... Uh, even covered significantly just because, you know, just on the bleeding edge, it's still not clear, for example, exactly how best to use tag literals and when to use them and that sort of thing, right. um, which I do, but, you know, it's, it's, it's possible that I'm using them quote unquote wrong, however the right way happens to be. So, yeah. um, so from a, from a sort of technical and editorial standpoint, I'm still pretty comfortable with the, with the, content in the book even with closure one five uh the the parts that are going to age are the are what we call the practicums where there's this uh the the last third of the book is is uh you know how you work with databases and uh ring and uh you know translating uh, the whole notion of uh, design and programming patterns into closure and what that looks like uh and so those you know and tooling and stuff like that that stuff ages pretty rapidly and so that would that obviously has a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit for for updates, but uh, that's just sort of the nature of covering that fast-moving material in a printed book. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, cool. Um, well, I'll definitely uh, look forward to, at some point, seeing more work from you guys in whatever form that is, whether it's another edition of that or if you guys collaborate on anything else. I certainly enjoyed the, uh, the, the, the first product of your work together. Great. I'm glad for it. Thanks. Um, so that let's, you know, that was, like I say, that was, you know, a while ago, like, as you said, the book is still very relevant, but, um, let's turn to something a bit more recent. Um, like I said, uh, earlier at the beginning of the show, 
we kicked this idea around at Closure West, which we both attended. Um, how did you like the show? Oh, Closure West is great. Uh, I I make a point to um, be anywhere that uh, Alex Miller is putting on a conference, uh, or or I I try my damnedest anyway. Um, and uh, Closure West was incredibly well put together. The content was uh, tremendous, uh, and uh, uh, actually, I I I I was trying out a new strategy. Uh, at uh, Closure West for how I approach conferences because it's a it's an odd thing to try and figure out the best or not most productive but most um, sort of most satisfying way to approach conferences because it's very easy to uh, sort of get into this rhythm where you know say it's a two or three day conference and you're there and you know starting at about eight thirty you get into this pattern of you walk into a room where a uh, session is going on. You sit down, uh, you listen, maybe you get distracted, you walk back out at break, get a snack, and then, you know, repeat the process about six times until it's time for dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've certainly done that. Uh, but my, but, uh, my, my approach this time around was, uh, basically I did go in and check out a, a, a couple of sessions, uh, uh, ones that that really aligned with exactly what I was working on at that point in time. Uh, but for most of the time I did, uh, you know, the, the hallway track as it were. Mm. Um, and the, the venue at Closure West was really fantastic. And so far, you know, there were, there were those two different levels and tons of seating and, uh, there were always people milling about. Uh, uh, and so I ended up having a couple of, not a couple of, you know, four or five, phenomenal, uh, conversations per day, each like, you know, up to an hour, hour and a half long with people that, you know, were I not doing that and bumping into them and, and sort of drumming up those conversations. Uh, uh, I'd never would have had that opportunity because people go their separate ways and sort of recongeal back into their normal working groups for dinners and stuff like that. Uh, and so that was a really satisfying, uh, unique experience. Uh, and so I think I'm going to continue to try that obviously, uh, you know, pending, you know, particular, uh, content. I, I see at other conferences that I actually want to be in the room for at that point in time. Uh, and it's, and it's really just the, this magic of, you know, you, you know, that the content is going to be available on video afterwards. You'll be True. able to digest it, uh, that much better once you're sort of back in your, uh, home turf, so to speak. So you can, you know, rewind and, oh, what did he say about this? And look at the slides in detail while you're uh, listening to the pr uh, presenter or maybe looking at the code base they're talking about. Uh, and so it's really just trying to focus. I was just trying to focus my attention on what was uh, most presently available. And so uh, at that point in time, I was mostly focusing on all the phenomenal people that I gather, which huh. is always a very high caliber when it comes to uh, conferences where closure has a has a large presence. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that kind of, I think that's really wise because what you're saying is the value of the conferences is, is um, less than the presentations since they are available in other in other mediums. But but the people aren't necessarily going to be someone you can you know, download at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think part of that is also because of my particular circumstances because I sort of. Uh, in, in relative terms compared to people who live, you know, in uh, Manhattan or San Francisco or Durham or whatever, uh, I am relatively out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I certainly do my best to uh, get out among, uh, among other uh, people and developers uh, as, as, as much as I can to, to avoid that, uh, avoid the sort of, you know, in your head kind of isolation that can happen when you work at home. Uh, and especially so if you work at home, uh, not in a metropolitan area. Um, and so, you know, those, those chances that I have to, uh, get together with, uh, friends and meet new ones that have similar interests and, and at a closure conference, very similar interests. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, pretty important just for just for my personal psychology to to make the absolute most of that just because that's not going to be happening you know five minutes down the road for me that's true i mean i'm really lucky living in the dc area in that there are now 
uh, two closure meetups every month. So I, you know, if I want, if I could get a hall pass from my wife or more like, you know, abandon her to do the hard work, I could go, you know, every other week and go hang out with other closure people. And I know that's not true everywhere. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I, I, I always uh, uh, make a point to get to the Boston closure meetups, which have been uh, really phenomenal uh, of late. Uh, and I've had, I've, I've, I've run uh, or helped organize uh, a local software developers meetup uh, for probably 12 or 13 years now uh, and just started a new one that's more focused on uh, functional programming uh, called the functional programming connoisseurs and and so that's a that's a good social source and outlet as well but there's uh, but there's a difference between you know 20 people that are local that uh, you see on a regular basis and you know 200 people uh, in in the far-flung uh, nation of Portland uh, that you only see two or three times a year so. right it's very true so uh, I'm, I, you said you had a bunch of interesting conversations. I wonder if there are any that you could uh, relate for us. Like, what were some of the interesting things you got to talk to people about? Oh, um, well, uh, so I ended up having a really phenomenal conversation with um, one of your colleagues, uh, uh, Alex War. Oh, yeah. Is, is uh, War his last name or Par? No, War. You got it right. War, yeah, we, yeah. we call him War Machine. We have, another, yeah. we have another Alex that we've had on the... We've actually had both Alexes on the show. And uh, just a point of humor, we call... The one war machine and the other one love machine. I am not going to ask about the uh, about the background of the latter. We do um, have an explicit rating on this show. Oh, do you? Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. I I was actually wondering halfway through, uh, just because. Anyway. No, no. We've um, had so Justin was our first guest, which pretty much guaranteed that we were going to have an explicit rating. So we're all set there. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So uh, he and I, I don't think. I think we had met very briefly in passing at some point over the years uh, and probably met a couple of times in passing over the years. But but again, uh, because we only ever saw each other at conferences, you know, in passing between sessions, probably. And then, you know, he would probably go off and have dinner with relevance people, uh, especially if it was at a conj, maybe. And, uh, you know, I would go off and have dinner with, you know, friends that I uh, have made through IRC and, and, and met previously and that sort of thing. Uh, we had never really talked for more than three minutes tops. Uh, but uh, first day of Closure West, I think, you know, early, early ish in the morning, maybe around 930 or 10, we bumped into bumped to each into each other near that cafe on the first floor and uh, ended up talking for at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half about all sorts of stuff around, uh, you know, business topics uh, uh, because he's involved with that at relevance and, and I, I run my own business. And so we sort of swapped notes a little bit here and there on that. And uh, I sort of debriefed him on a, uh, or, did a did a brain dump on him, uh, whether he wanted to wanted or not. I guess uh, about my uh, current project that I'm working on, and uh, which was incredibly helpful for me in terms of, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, you're thinking through a complex problem, and sometimes uh, uh, it it becomes a lot clearer for you just if you vocalize it to somebody, not sure. even asking, not even trying to get you know feedback or input or whatever from them, just as using them as a as a sounding board to sort of organize your own thoughts and and that that was the uh big upshot from that uh conversation with with alex and so i mean hopefully he got something out of it because i certainly got quite a bit uh but that that's a that's a that's a good example of the of the sort of stuff that uh sort of experiences that i was able to get just because i was focused on you know interacting with the people that were there uh as opposed to doing you know, doing the usual conference script, I guess. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Alex is an awesome guy. And, and you said you guys talked about uh, business, which actually, um, <clears throat> I would love to get your take on this. I asked him the same question, which is, you know, we, we go to these conferences and they're very exciting. I mean, you know, if, if there are any non-nerds listening to this, which I sort of doubt, you know, they would maybe laugh at that a little bit, but they really are exciting because you do, you know, especially if like you, you've, you've been to a number of them over the last several years, you get this sense, or at least I guess this sense, that there's that there's really momentum building. And so I wonder if you've got any kind of a read on the, for lack of a better term, business landscape around closure. Like, what's your sense of where we're headed? 
Oh, I'm I'm actually the absolute worst person to ask about that just because I've never I don't have any business interests that are sort of directly connected to closure in terms of, you know, uh, consulting or, or 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 anything like that. And so it'd be I would I would have no idea what the what the landscape looked like in terms of uptake from a business perspective. I I I certainly try to keep my uh, uh, sort of try and keep my ear to the ground in terms of what the uptake is sort of more broadly from a, you know, technical and, and, and communal sense. But, um, because I've always, not always, but certainly for a fairly long time now been, been solely product focused. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing, uh, in that, in that in that business side of things that that gives me any kind of perspective on how how closure is is working out from a from a you know business acceptance standpoint hmm. that's interesting to hear me say hear you say that because you know um you know, you know you and i have talked but primarily it's been at conferences and usually we're discussing either friends in common or the technology uh, i guess there's a couple things that would lead me to uh i guess incorrectly have guessed that you would have your finger on the pulse a bit more and, and maybe you're being what I suspect from listening to your podcast is typically modest, but you know, you do the, you do the state of closure survey, right? Every year, which is really awesome. And also, um, I know that, uh, as you say, you, you know, you're, you're working in closure. So, um, a couple things I want to ask you about in both those, like what uh, you're, you're doing, so you're doing product work. Maybe you can talk, what do you do, Chaz? Like, how do you, what's your, that's your thing? Nobody really knows, really. <laughs> well, we're gonna out it right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the so uh, sort of sort of officially, uh, I'm the founder of Snowtide Informatics, which is a, a very very small software company uh, that sells uh, basically just one product, uh, PDF TextStream, which is a Java and uh, .NET library for from for extracting uh, content from PDF documents at scale, um, and that that business has been ticking along since uh, 2004, um, and it's that's 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 sort of my uh, that's that's my actual business. I have a number of different projects that I run sort of off to the side uh, that uh, take up a fair number of my uh, cycles, just because there's there's only so much that you can do in the PDF content extraction uh, uh, side of things without without being dragged into, um, uh, you know, effectively consulting arrangements for handling domain specific or business specific, uh, requirements around, uh, uh, you know, document automation, right. um, which I've done before and, and ended up just moving away from just, just to get away from that, you know, time equals money connection. Um, and so that's what I, that's, 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 that's my business. And I have, as I said, a bunch of side projects, including, uh, you know, a couple that I'm working on right now that, uh, are entirely unrelated to PDFs or, or, you know, document automation entirely. Are they, is, can you, are, are any, A, are any of them in closure and B, can you tell us about any of them? Oh no, the, uh, they're, they're all in closure. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, uh, used any other language, uh, uh, you know, significantly, uh, other than closure for uh, well over five years at this point. So, I, I don't know what the what the exact timeline was, but I but I switched over when it was so rich released sort of came out of the shadows in December of uh, 07, I think, and I switched over from Scala in the next summer. So now does that mean that your .NET offering is using closure CLR? No, no, no. So the so all of the Snowtide and PDF TechStream stuff is uh, all a legacy Java code base, um, and it there's 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 really no reason to introduce uh, closure at that uh, low level. I did end up doing a little bit of consulting on top of PDF TechStream, uh, using closure for again some of that uh, domain specific and and you know business specific workflow uh, that use PDF TechStream underneath as just another Java library. Uh, the .NET uh, build of PDF TechStream is produced using IKVM, which is a uh, uh, cross compiler that takes any 
uh, Java class files or bytecode and produces uh, .NET assemblies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so. Cool. Yeah, that makes total sense. So um, these other projects, you have me intrigued. Is there, what, can you, what can you tell us there? Well, there's, uh, so uh, uh, one, I'm not going to spill the beans on yet at all because it's, it's, it's so, <clears throat> it's probably as close to a, uh, there was that, there was that uh, blog post uh, some weeks or months ago uh, talking about uh, forever projects. Um, and, and one of them is probably the closest I've ever come to having a forever project. And it's, it's so large that I don't quite know how to talk about it sensibly in any kind of bounded time frame, uh, which is partially, uh, what was so helpful about sort of brain dumping all over Alex because it was on that topic. So mm -hmm. if you want to sit here for an hour and a half that I, that I can go through it, but uh, we won't do well, I actually, I, uh, I, I will say, um, you know, I can tell already that we're going to run out of time to talk about everything I want to talk to you about. And you've just added a new thing. So um, maybe when you do kind of get your head wrapped around it and you are ready to talk about it, I wonder if you'd be willing to come back on the show and speak about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I think it's I think it's sort of a, a general interest problem domain uh, that, that uh, people will be interested to, to hear and talk about. But uh, the other one is actually... Uh, I have I have a variety of little projects, but there's this one that popped into this idea that popped into my head really just like about a week ago, uh, and uh, I you know fortunately have have some time to work on it. It's 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 the epitome of a stupid Twitter app, um, uh, and uh, hopefully by the time you publish this, it will be up and running, and you can include a uh, link in the uh, show notes about it. Cool. Uh, but it's. I've 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 never done anything in the you know uh, quote unquote social application space, um, and never really done much around uh, natural language processing, and never done anything with Twitter, and uh, this sort of hit all those uh, uh, spots that I've sort of been vaguely curious about, but never had anything, uh, never had an idea I was interested in enough uh, to pursue until now, and so that's. That's the thing I've been working on the past couple of days. Awesome. That sounds very exciting. And I actually, uh, I've had in mind, um, you know, not seriously, but, one, you know, one of the other 20,000 things kicking around up there where there's lots of space, um, uh, to write a, uh, a pedestal Twitter app. I think that would be a fun way to learn, to learn more about pedestal. And um, also because the, the Twitter keeps making uh, TweetDeck or whatever they call TweetDeck now worse and worse and worse to the point where I can't use it anymore. Yeah, and it's and it's, I mean, it's really honestly my only option just because I, because I start so many small little things and have so many different, um, you know, personas between my own Twitter handle and then the one for Snowtide and then the one for Closure Atlas and then the one for the book and they sort of go on and on. Uh, that's the only Twitter app that actually allows me to to manage that many different identities sanely, and I'm right. suffering badly under its yoke. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, that's awesome because maybe I can uh, A, either just use it and you've solved my problem or B, at least swipe your Twitter library or whatever wrapper you come up with. Oh, there's actually there's actually a pretty good Twitter library for closure already. Oh, cool. I hadn't uh, done the research yet. W which one do you like? Uh, well, I don't know if I like it or not yet. We'll see if it if it, you know, holds up or whatever. Uh, but it's uh Adam Wynn slash Twitter API on, on GitHub. Ah, cool. I'll check it out. Awesome. Like, well, if assuming I ever get around to, you know, popping that particular project to the top of the stack, because um, let's face it, projects are not queues. It's a stack, right? You, at least me, right? Typical engineer. Oh, shiny. Let me work on this for a while. Ooh, another shiny. Let me push that one down. So yeah. Yeah, that's a we could have we could have a whole hour on you know you know, mental, uh, you know, managing, managing your psychology as a, uh, as a engineer with a certain degree of free will. Uh, right. it's, that's a, that's a whole nother ball of wax. And another hour after that on, uh, cool ideas that we've never done anything with or have, you know, half done half ass and then walked away from. That's exactly right. You're right. We never, we never will run out of things to talk about, will we? No, I don't think so. I don't think we <laughs> Which, uh, reminds me, um, there was another, uh, possibly big topic I wanted to dig into. So you blogged not that long ago about um, 
having taken, and I forget how you put this, I don't have the page in front of me, but essentially a year of working in kind of a different way or, or of, of, like you, you changed gears. I, maybe you can put it, I'm sure you can put it better than I, than I can. Changed gears. Oh, uh, uh, do you mean the 100% time post? Yes, that's exactly the one. Okay. I'm yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it's, um, so shall I, shall I give a pricey of the, uh, yeah, please. Of, yeah. Of the content. So, um, this was a couple months ago, so I'm, I'm, I'm paging it back in right now. Right. So, uh, there's a, there's a notion of 20% time, uh, that is very, uh, you know, well understood, especially in technical circles, uh, at this point where, uh, and I think relevance practices it as, as well, where yep. sort of the business determines what you work on, uh, you know, where, where all of those things are in, are in, uh, scare quotes, depending upon the culture and requirements of the business that you're work or, or organization that you're working for. Um, the uh, business determines what you work on for, you know, 80% of the time, which usually sort of means four days a week or something like that. Uh, and then, uh, uh, the fifth day, uh, you know, rather than resting or whatever, uh, it's you you work on what's called a twenty percent project, which is something that you have, uh, if not uh, uh, more uh, say or more control over uh, what happens in that time. You have complete control over again, depending on the culture of the organization, uh, and so you know it, that's that's certainly great and uh, a, a big improvement over uh, sort of the the experience of working in uh, organizations that don't have that concept um, but there's uh, but it's generally implied that the 20 percent time should be dedicated to something that is somehow accretive to the organization's well-being one way or the other even if it's tangentially um, and uh, again not to knock the notion, but that's just, that's just sort of the way things pan out in a lot of different cultures. Um, and there's, it's taken me a long time to sort of come to terms with what my work situation is like, just because I've owned my own company for, uh, a really long time and, uh, probably, I know I overworked in it for a very long time and sort of had my priorities upside down in terms of both growing the business and as well as sort of maintaining reasonable balance between work and, you know, home life and, and all the other things in my life. Uh, and so I sort of made a breakthrough. I don't know, again, totally psychological. This is all, this is managing your own psychology. Uh, some time in the past, maybe year, year and a half where, um, you know, it, I, I realized that I had way more freedom than I understood that I had previously. Um, uh, to the extent that, uh, I sort of, st I, I, I started calling my, my lifestyle as having 100% time, uh, where, you know, Honestly, uh, there's there's nothing stopping me from, you know, working all week on PF TechStream or you know working on uh, non-technical business development or marketing or doing cold calls if for some godforsaken reason I feel like doing that, <laughs> um, uh, or uh, you know, as I have for the past you know two or three days working on some stupid Twitter app because that happens to tickle my fancy or like I've been doing for probably eight months or so working on that other, you know, not really maybe uh, forever project. That's, that's far too large to even think about properly. Um, and it's a, it's a fairly based on what I've been able to suss out by talking to other people, it's a fairly unique position just because I happen to own the business and I can decide, you know, what I, what I dedicate to it and, you know, what it's, uh, how it's welfare is going to impact my personal objectives. Um, and, and it's, 
And it turns out not that much, especially insofar as the PDF texturing product is incredibly stable, uh, has proven itself over more than a decade of being out in production and things like that. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously customers need to be taken care of. And when issues crop up, uh, the whole 100% time thing evaporates a little bit, which I didn't touch on in, in the uh, post. Uh, but uh, largely, uh, it's, it's, it's allowed me a remarkable uh, degree of freedom in what I uh, spend my time on. And so that helps with picking up new projects or deciding what I'm going to work with uh, uh, really just to uh, not to use the psycho babble, but really, you know, figure out what is going to be most satisfying and, uh, you know, self-actualizing if you want to think about it that way. Uh, and so, you know, I, whether that's tinkering with overtone or, uh, working on whatever other project that I want to work on or going for a long walk or, you know, knowing that I have the freedom and flexibility to spend, you know, some number of weeks, uh, taking care of family because of a, of a, a health issue or whatever, and knowing that that's going to be okay. Uh, that's, that's what I, have ended up calling uh, uh, 100% time. And this connects back in with um, the uh, rich versus king, uh, uh, not thread, but uh, notion. I think I, I think it's Noam Wasserman uh, was his name, um, where there's this notion that when you start a business, uh, there's a uh, sort of higher order bit that the founder or founders need to uh, very clearly decide on whether they want to be rich, i.e. grow the business as quickly uh, and as large as possible in order to maximize their personal return, uh, or if they want to be king, uh, meaning uh, that they want to maintain maximal control over both uh, the company and their own uh their own destiny, uh, sort of on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, because those things are often, often in, in conflict, just because if you want to grow a company as fast as possible and as large as possible, you end up sacrificing a lot of control, both from, a uh, you know, a financial and, and a corporate structure standpoint, but also on what you end up working on. And you see this a lot with, you know, technical founders that end up building very large companies, but, uh, often, you know, sort of stray from doing what they originally got into the business to do, uh, ostensibly, you know, engineer great systems or tackle this particular challenging uh, technical problem and sort of get, you know, dragged up the ladder into management positions where they may or may not be happier. And so the King route, which is what I, uh, which is the route that I took, uh, uh, being a sole founder of a very small company that is never going to be particularly large, uh, that I didn't realize that I was king and that I had that sort of flexibility and uh, uh, degree of control. And so that's that 100% time post. I don't know if that meandering, that was not a precy in any way whatsoever. That was sure no, that was fascinating, actually. That was, that was, that, that exceeded the word count of the original post by a factor of 10. I'm certain <laughs> of it. Well, I read the post and I actually, I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, the thing that was going through my head when you were talking is, is that I've had you know some small degree of the same type of insight um, in a, a much smaller scale. You I mean you put it much better, but but one of the things that strikes me is the um, the amount of poison that is contained, or maybe like the traps that lay in wait for the unwary in the word should, like in the sense of what should you be doing in any given oh, moment. Oh yeah, right. And I kind of have that's a realization that I've come very much along the lines of what you're talking about, where like I, I, I've got a big old project that I'm working on that I'm not quite ready to talk about either. And uh, it's been, I've been working on it for a long time, like 18 months, not all the time, but you know, a substantial portion of my non-podcast, 20% time goes into it. And it's been a hard nut to crack. And, um, and, and I got to a point where, um, although I'm still interested in the problem, it was becoming a bit wearying to work on it simply because it was hard and I'd been doing it for a long time. And it was difficult for me until I started to realize some of the things you're talking about that it actually is beneficial for me to say, you know what, I am going to go write a stupid Twitter app and that is okay. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's, there's no, I can ignore the word, what should I be doing? Well, 
it's okay if I'm doing something that's just dumb because it makes me happy sometimes, right? Not to go too far in the other direction. So, yeah, yeah it's sort of sort of riffing off of that. Um, you know, there's a there's there's a at least for me, there's a uh, for a very very long time there was again going along with this notion of what should you be doing. Um, uh, for a long time, I thought, you know, you should be working harder. You nice. should you should you know, you should be getting up at as early as possible and you should work until you kill yourself. And then you take time out when you absolutely have to, to be with, you know, family and uh, people that you care about. And then after they go to bed, you should stay up until, uh, your eyes are bleary with, uh, with, uh, 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 uh with, uh, tiredness. And then you go to sleep for three hours. Um, and, and that's actually how I lived for about two or three years and ended up missing a lot of stuff that was going on in my family and lost contact with friends and, uh, probably almost ruined, uh, the relationship, uh, that I had with the woman that is now my wife. Mm. Uh, and, uh, it was, you know, there's a, there's, there's a lot that goes into building, uh, that kind of, you know, self, um, that, that self-imposed pressure. Um, and it, it doesn't come all from one place, but it definitely adds up to this very corrosive, uh, uh, mindset of, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're doing now, it's, uh, not good enough, but damn it, you should be doing more of it. Right. Um, and so that, that I finally wound myself down off of, uh, after, again, two or three years of, of, of doing that because I finally realized that that wasn't right. Uh, but it took me, you know, six or seven years after that to come to this more recent realization that, uh, you know, there are, there's, there's, there are much greater degrees of freedom available, uh, at least in, in uh, my particular situation that I had realized previously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We went deep. Yeah, so I, I guess, <laughs> I guess, uh, uh, to to try and uh, not make this uh, entirely, uh, you know, egotistical, I would challenge everybody out there to figure out how you can, uh, you know, make decisions in your life to maximize control over, you know, what you do and how you spend your time on this planet, um, and. Uh, probably the probably the first thing you do is realize that you have you have it within your power to make decisions such that you can get more power to make more decisions mm -hmm. um and that sounds circular and it is uh but it you know there's there's a there's a lot of intentionality that you can bring to bear into you know really deciding what your lifestyle is going to be broadly written yeah. Yeah. Ah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really tempted to like, that's just, I think that's so right. And I'm tempted to, um, to dive farther down, but I know we've got like a whole other show we want to record. So, uh, I think, uh, maybe we will leave that, uh, that where it is as, as excellent, um, kind of final words on that topic for people to ponder. Um, so before we kind of switch over to, um, recording, uh, your show, I wonder if there's, there's anything else you want to you want to leave the listeners of this show with or anything else that we should talk about before we before we get down to the final question? Oh, um I don't know. I didn't come prepared for that one. Uh <laughs> No, I no nothing nothing in particular for listeners of this show. I just wanted to say Craig that you you have produced a tremendous run of a uh, uh really phenomenally well produced and uh well uh Edit, editorialized, uh, manage however you want to put it. Podcast. I, I've 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 enjoyed it from the first episode. I really appreciate um, that. So. No, that's I appreciate that, and, and I I do have to shout out too because um, uh, unlike you, I mean, you do your you do your podcast all by yourself. I mean, when you record it, you edit it, you public, you do everything yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I do this part right, which is in many ways the easiest part, um, which is to have conversations with interesting people, um, and uh, it. 
I appreciate your your compliment on the uh, the management, but but really, it's it's I happen to be fortunate enough to be sitting at a place where I can't throw a rock without finding somebody who I just point the mic at them and they say awesome stuff. But then we've got a whole bunch of people who help me out with the really grinding, boring stuff. I mean, I got to a point last year where I was like, I can't do this show anymore if every time there's an episode, I have to write the show notes. And I went to Justin and I said, I, I enjoy doing the show, but that part is killing me. And he said, no problem. We'll just, um, as part of our Friday process, we will say, is there anybody who could take an hour and, and listen to the show and write down the notes? And that has made an enormous amount of difference. And I get other assistance as well from people. So, you know, I mean, I got to, that's kudos to you for taking on uh, the same task solo as, as I have a, a team to help me with. So, um, but, but I, I but, uh, but, but, you know, thank you. I, I really appreciate the comment and, and, and to everyone else that has uh, said things to me. I've run into people at conferences who say they enjoy the show. And I, I always appreciate hearing that. It's really, really nice to hear. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, I, that, that whole thing of me doing everything solo is is again one is yet another psychological blocker because I I'm constantly doing things solo that I don't need to be like there are people that have uh, you know messaged me in IRC saying hey you want help putting together show notes and I part of it part of it is you know perfectionism and I want to make sure that it's just so even though they're just stupid podcast notes uh, so it's uh, it's it's that's that's my next thing to work on is uh, folding, folding, letting other people take care of things. Yeah, so it, it is a is a big thing. I, it was I I will admit it, it 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 was definitely far later than it should have been before I asked for help. But um, but I'm glad I did, and I think you should too, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, anyway, I I have to thank you again for coming on the show. This was really really interesting. I know we went. I was joking about us going meta, but that was just a fascinating conversation to me about. You know your experience and your I guess I'll use the word maturation I think it's it's just you're a really insightful guy Chaz and uh, and, and you really are no I know you're you're also very modest um, but I think anyone that's ever talked to you or listened to your show knows that uh, you know I think you think pretty deeply about things and so it was really really cool to get your perspective on that clearly you've never listened to mostly lazy if you think that I'm modest no I've I ha- <laughs> all right we'll leave it at that uh, well we will leave it at that with the exception of one more thing which is uh, we're gonna go out on music that uh, you Chaz are gonna pick for us so what would you like us to play for the exit song uh, yeah so um, let's go with uh, let's go with uh, take me home country roads Okay, a classic. All right, fantastic. That's coming up in the background now. I will thank you, Chaz, once again so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And whether it was your idea or mine, I still say it was yours. Really cool idea. Really glad we did it. And we will have you back. Utterly interested to hear what your your big idea that you're working on is. Uh, So uh, hopefully we can get you back to, to talk about that sometime. Thanks again for coming on the show. No problem. I enjoyed it a lot. All right, great. And, of course, we have to thank our listeners. Thanks so much for listening. Um, and uh, we are going to, Chaz and I are going to put our noggins together and figure out how to publish these at some point in the future so that they come out pretty close together. So I will say uh, not only catch you next time on Think Robins the podcast, but catch you momentarily on Mostly Lazy. Bye, everyone. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, country road.